ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oki Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Oki Podcast. And on today's episode, man, I got another amazing guest. And I'm so stoked that he's here. And, you know, we've been planning on this for a while. And finally, our schedule has, like, finally, like, been able to come together. Uh, my guest today is Mark Williams. Mark is a filmmaker, writer, and director. So, hello, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh yeah, no problem, man. I know we've been kind of planning it for a right. while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of keeping in contact. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, thanks for just being patient and waiting. So. For sure. For sure. Appreciate that. Yeah, I try to be patient with everybody. You know, I know things get crazy hectic life happens whatever so people are patient with me too so it's all good <laughs> it's all good it's awesome what you're doing out here too giving people a voice to talk about their stuff too so that's a, that's pretty awesome oh yeah thank you thank you yeah yeah I, I just i enjoy like giving you know people a platform yeah. to talk about whatever or promote or something you know so it's it's great to you know be of service to people so it's really it's really awesome. Uh so Mark, for the listeners, um could you tell us, you know, about where you're from, you know, what was growing up like, you know, did you move around a lot? And then what kind of just, you know, got you got yourself, you know, leading into this uh journey you're on filmmaking, directing, writing, and then we'll just you know, we'll just talk about anything, everything. Anything and everything. Anything and all everything. Right, all right. Not so, all you, though. Uh, so, no. so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, uh, so right now, I, I live in Shawnee, uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma. Uh, I am the uh, the media specialist for Seminole Nation and uh, a freelance filmmaker as well. So I have two companies, Native Boy Productions and Digital Feather Media. Uh, Native Boy Productions is my uh, production company for stuff that I kind of produce myself that I go out and make. Digital Feather Media is for my other projects where I get hired to do things and, uh, you know, for clients and stuff. Um, grew up whenever I was little. Uh, grew up in uh, Mississippi. I'm Mississippi Choctaw. Oh, really? I'm Oklahoma Choctaw, Mississippi Choctaw. And uh, so we grew up on a reservation, Standing Pine. Uh, reservation shout out to standing pine and pearl river so uh we grew up there uh early on and then whenever i was i think in the second grade we moved to here to oklahoma my mom's from oklahoma my dad was from mississippi and so uh we moved up here to bennington oklahoma and um you probably never heard of bennington have you no, yeah no. uh you know you heard of durant Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so it's about 19 miles uh, uh, e- uh, east of Durant. East, yeah, east. Okay. Uh, small town, very small. Um, went to school there, played basketball, did my basketball thing. I thought I was going to be an NBA player. Didn't make it, obviously. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, very small school. Um, and... I started, I mean, yeah, so basketball was my thing, you know, growing up. I love basketball, still do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of doing creative things back then. I was kind of writing short stories, not even knowing this is 
what I was going to end up doing. It was just kind of something that was fun to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I even did like a comic book. I had a comic book thing going for a little bit. Drawing had you know had characters and everything, and uh, try to sell it. Nobody bought it, but still. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this little this you know this little series going on, uh-huh. but it was more about the stories for me. I just like doing little stories. Um, anytime we had an option in, in class to do video projects, I jumped on it. I was making videos back then, mm-hmm. uh, directing, editing back then, just m- kind of because it was for the, for the class, but I really, really enjoyed it. You know, I just had fun doing that. But still, I thought, ma'am, I want to, my focus was basketball. And so um, graduated and went back to Mississippi for a little bit to a junior college out there and uh, try to walk on over there. Um, didn't really work out and came back to Oklahoma to Bacone College, try to walk on. And uh, it's about that time I started getting the hint that my, maybe my, my basketball career is, is not panning out. So <laughs> uh, so uh, bounced around for a little bit, went to Bacone, Northern Oklahoma College in Tonkawa, and uh, UCO over in uh, Edmond. Mm-hmm. And uh, got married uh, pretty early and got married around that, around that time. And so started making short films. 2005 was my very first one, I think. Really? 2005, 2006. Um, just started writing again is really what happened. You know, I just kind of, I remembered that was kind of one of my first loves was writing and just doing anything kind of creative. And so um, I don't know why, man. I just went out and made a short film. And... Um, my wife at the time um, and some of my family and friends were in it and it just um, it was pretty bad <laughs> I thought I was the first try at something and uh, it ended up in a, at a film festival here in Tulsa uh, the Tulsa um, Red Fork uh, Native American Film Festival over at the college at uh, Community College mm. um, man never been to a film festival before uh, I showed up and it, it was a horror film and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, crowd was jumping, you know, screaming, you know, they were into it. Uh-huh. They were into it. And I was in the back, I was in the way back in, in the back row and, uh, kind of nervous, kind of not sure what, how people want to think about this, this thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, just seeing their reaction, seeing how they just like took to it. It was at like, that point I was hooked. Like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It just uh, it was something magical. Just watch them just uh, uh, react to something that I kind of came up with in my head, you know. And so from then on, I would just start um, making more mm-hmm. short films, uh, just kind of learning the craft. I've never been to film school, so that was my film school. Just going out there and just doing things and just making project after project, trying to make them bigger and better every time. And then it eventually kind of led to where I'm at now. Wow. Well, dang, there's, like, so many questions. Um, I know. Long, I, I covered everything. In like, well, like... Uh, interview's over. All right. We'll see you. So, first, like, uh, do you remember the comic? Like, what were the characters? <laughs> oh, like, what were the characters, like, you made? That's was, really cool. It was uh, it was a superhero that I, I came up with that he, well, he was a clumsy superhero. He would somehow just, you know, fumble his way into beating his his uh, his uh, enemies. Oh. I can't remember the uh, the name of him, but I remember how, I remember what he looked like. I tried to redraw him again. Really? Yeah, he just had his big chin and big nose. I don't know why I came up with that, but 
so I had what was crazy about that was when you you know so for comic book you got those panels you know mm-hmm. that helped later on whenever I was making films because when you're making films when you're working on a scene you storyboard yeah and it's basically the same thing as panels mm-hmm. and so that type of storytelling seeing that process of the image that I want to to happen to convey dialogue helped later on whenever I was you know older in mm-hmm. filmmaking so yeah I had this comic book and uh, I was trying to sell it for like a quarter 50 cents something like that I don't know I was just maybe just trying to feel legit I guess yeah and uh, I remember um, so I mean so we're, I'm in class should be listening but I'm over <laughs> strong in my comic books like you know make it look like I'm taking notes I'm actually making my comic book uh, and then uh just stapled it and made a little thing of it and tried to sell it. I think maybe maybe some people bought it just out of pity and gave me threw me a quarter and fifty cents here and there. But yeah, so that comic book kind of just doing the panel work and seeing the images, how it was gonna come out come out to be a story, just mm-hmm. helped out later. Yeah. So yeah. Damn. Yeah. What was the... I, I need to go find find it. My yeah. Mom, my mom probably has it somewhere stored away. For real, like I posted or something. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> And if anyone has a copy, let me get them. And uh, <laughs> what were the colors you used for them? Oh, so it was just all just pencil. Oh, just yeah, pencil? yeah. So I didn't I colored in or okay. nothing. It was just uh, I so I just drew the characters and drew the story and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I wasn't that um, like in depth as far as just coloring. I, I may have colored a couple. I don't think, but for the most part, I think I just it was just pencil. Pencil. And, and, yeah. 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 A little bit of shading. Yeah, so it wasn't like I was trying to, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to be a comic artist. I was just doing something just to, I don't know how it started, really. I just started drawing this guy, I think, <laughs> doodling stuff. And, oh, he's beating somebody up. Well, let me, what happens next? And I just started making something of it. So Did he have, like, a main villain? He did have a main villain. Uh, it was his high school, it was his bully from high school. Oh, really? And so, yeah, so they, they both ended up having superpowers. And, and so, but he had other ones, too, but he would, he kind of, like I said, just kind of fumbled his way to victories. That little storyline of a superhero kind of, kind of clumsy and you know, but still win is something I use later on when I, I made a children's series uh, called "The Adventures of Josie the Firebird Kid" uh, back in two thousand and like thirteen, fourteen, something like that. Oh, really? Kind of the same thing. Um, it was this, about this boy who uh, loved comic books mm-hmm. and believe that uh whenever he ate his grandma's fry bread it kind of gave him powers kind of like popeye and spinach oh, and everything yeah. <laughs> and so he would take he would he would uh eat his fry bread and try to take on the the school bully so the same story kind of i kind of ended up doing later but with a native uh thing to it and so um we did three episodes of that and um same thing. He, he he just kind of somehow found a way to win, or he would just kind of accidentally win, but he took it. In his eyes, you know, it was because of the fry bread. Dang. Uh, yeah. That's freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Eat your fry bread, everybody. Eat your fry bread. Yeah. yeah. So basically what I'm saying is, in class, draw your own stuff. <laughs> don't, don't take notes. Eat your fry bread. <laughs> Man, that's dope, man. Um, <laughs> and in your film, you said it was a horror film? The very first one I did. Yeah. That... Um, yeah, so it was called, uh, what was it called? The Dare. It was called The Dare. 
and um, my brother starred in it. And like I said I was married at the time, so my wife was in it for a little. She was in one of the, some of the scenes. We shot it at my house, so you know I, I didn't have any money to 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 make anything. So we had like a like an Indian taco sale just to get equipment and um, just things for it to you know to make the movie. And so mm-hmm. it was about maybe twenty minutes long. Uh, uh, it, it was something about uh, I remember it, my brother was was the, was the main character. Whenever he was uh, younger. Uh, him and uh, two other friends of his dared each other to go into a cemetery. He backed out at one point. He, he backed out. They went into the cemetery. They never came back. Something happened to them while they were, when and then they never returned. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he grows up the rest of his life kind of feeling guilty about it. Like, kind of like it could have been, it should have been me, or I should have been with them, or I could, maybe I could have helped them, you know? And then, so 20 years later, um, things, he starts uh, seeing them again. They kind of they come back, you know, from the dead and kind of uh, uh, bring them back to uh, with them. And so, you know, he should have been with them. And yeah. so eventually he was. And so uh, it was just a little horror film that I did. And, and then uh, I just made it for friends and family. Mm-hmm. I gave it, I passed it out, um, little, uh, DVDs to friends and family. And then I get this call from uh, Gerald Walford. Um, he was direct uh, the director of that Red Fort Film Festival and said, I have this movie called The Dare. Um, I don't know how he got it. To this day, I really don't know how he got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but he said, um, yeah, it's really good. I really like it. D- can we show it at our film festival? And I was like, what's a film festival? And I've heard of it. I didn't really know, I guess. And yeah. so I said, yeah, sure. That's that's cool. That's fine. When is it? And he told me. I said, is it okay if I come? So yeah, we encourage you know filmmakers to come up and talk about, you know, what their project and do like a Q and A. I said, all right, cool. I'll be there. And I get there and the place was packed. It was packed not to see my movie, but the movie right before mine was uh, a film called the brave. And I don't know if it ever got distribution or if it ever was released, but the reason it was packed was because it was made by Johnny Depp. Really? He starred in it with Marlon Brando. Giant Depp plays a Native American father who did like the ultimate sacrifice for his family. Um, and so he start he uh Giant Depp produced it, um, starred in it, and, and you got Marlon Brando in it. So obviously the production value is gonna be way in the millions, you know. Yeah. So that was showing Right after that was my two hundred dollar movie, <laughs> and so that's another reason I sat in the back. I was like nervous. I was like, "Man, they just got to watching these, you know, Marlon Ray's a legend, you know." So they watch him on the screen. Then you, now you're gonna see my brother and my wife. On there. <laughs> and so I was, but but like I said it was a packed house. They all got. They all saw my film. Man, how cool is that? Like you had this idea, you made it, you know, for not much, and you're really nervous about even, you know, especially after what was it, the Brave? It's called the Brave, yeah. The Brave, yeah. you know, going after going after that, but yeah, people were still like into your stuff, man. I want to see it. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> and that's where I mean, I kind of learned a good lesson too. I mean, you want, of course, you obviously want your film to be good quality and look good, sound good, and all that, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it still comes down to the story. 
It's mm-hmm. the story that, you know, it, you know, you could have a million dollars to make a movie, but the story is not there. Oh, yeah. good, you'll lose them. Yeah. And so even though it didn't, it, quality wasn't great at all. Acting wasn't, you know, <laughs> they tried. But still the story, you know, it, it, it was gripping enough for them to react to it. And so that, that was a good lesson, too. Yeah. Yeah, the story is always, if it's a good story, yeah, it's going to keep keep you, like, mm. keep you with it. How did you edit that movie? Uh, so the first couple, one, the first one I did, uh, what software? I kind of lied a little bit. There was one before that, that um, called Treasure Hunt, something like that. that was just my nephew and my niece, and that was really short. Um, that one I edited, literally. It, this was like before. This like before DVDs were kind of common. Mm-hmm. So I, it was ended up being on a VHS. Um, I remember uh, with the camera we had had a mini DV tape on it, mm-hmm. and if I push play, hooked up to the VCR and hit record on the VCR, and stop it when I wanted to, it would capture whatever was playing from the mini DV camera. That was I was editing that way. I made it it made it harder than what it probably really should have been. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that was a movie called uh, Treasure 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 for Two Treasure for Two My nephew My niece and it was just I mean again you know really really bad <laughs> but so but then I was like oh this is kind of cool and that one I kind of just just I just made it for me and I kind of watched it then with uh, the Dare is is was the one where I kind of went bigger shot it in people people's houses and different locations and everything. Mm-hmm. I think it was whatever um I had a uh had a PC so whatever um editing software was on it movie maker or something mm-hmm. yeah I just I just used that the, the very first time really? the first few times I use a, a, a Adobe Premiere now but yeah um at the time yeah whatever was on the laptop mm-hmm. I just used that music I don't remember what music I used I think I just downloaded something from YouTube probably from LimeWire? No, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it probably was, man. Yeah. That virus? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Damn. So 2005, that was your... That was... 2005, 2006. I want to say 2005 Holy. because I think that was uh, Red Fork's, uh, like, their second or third annual festival at that time. It was pretty big. Yeah. They, they, would, they did it for three days of films. Then they added a powwow to it. And um, they're not really around right now. I think they might be trying to do one this year. I'm not sure. But um, so, yeah, Red Fork uh, Film Festival. And um, that's how it all started. Wow. Yeah. Damn, I didn't know it was like, you know, you started back then. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm old, man. That's what, <laughs> that, that what you're trying to say. <laughs> no, like, I didn't know. no, no. I, I thought you were like, yeah. you know. I thought, I thought you were up and coming, you know, man, young guy. I thought you just started like, yeah. you know, a year ago. <laughs> There's an age limit on this show, man. <laughs> Just kidding. And then, so when did you trans- start transitioning to, like, docs? 2012 was my first one. Was it? Yeah. So, I mean, so between 2006 to then, I was making short films, mostly friends, family again, mm-hmm. but just trying to make each one better. And they were getting into film festivals still, mm-hmm. more than Red Fork, so I kind of mm-hmm. sent them out to other places. I started getting more... Um, familiar with film festivals and how, how they work and how you can use it to your advantage as far as kind of getting your name out there and meeting people. Mm-hmm. So I was still making uh, short films by then, really only because I was 
paying for everything myself. I could only afford so much. So um, making shorts up until that point. 2012 was kind of a big year, I think, for me because I made my first feature film, a film called The Unrest, another horror film. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I actually held like auditions and had actual actors and people come in um, that are you know, making a living in this industry, being actors, you know, mm -hmm. and didn't really use friends and family. I think they probably were extras or something like that. But for the most part, it was a, an actual cast. Um, I had an actual film crew kind of come in and help me shoot it and um, edit it, music and all that. So that was kind of my first big project. Um, that was about boarding schools, kind of, you know, what's going on right now, you know, they about the, the finding the, the 215 bodies up in Canada, mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of, it was a, really about that because I remember reading about residential schools in Canada. And so this has happened before. Um, I remember reading about there were uh, like, like uh, groundskeepers and people when they were doing constructions, bodies were being found under residential schools back, way back then. And, um, I mean, like thousands and thousands of bodies. And this is like in the 90s and the early 2000s, this was happening. And maybe people haven't heard about it too much right now because this is before social media and everything. Yeah. And so in 2008, um, the officials of Canada uh, issued like a statement or something where they, um, they never came out and admitted that this happened. But what they did was they gave like a formal or an official apology to the families, to the to the indigenous families, mm -hmm. and I think there might have been a settlement, some kind of some kind of money, uh, monetary settlement. I can't remember, but I just remember reading about that that in early 1900s, thousands of Indian kids disappeared. Nobody knew what happened to them. Um, I mean, they knew, I guess, but no, there was no answers, mm -hmm. you know. And so um, then. In the 90s and early 2000s, these bodies were being found. And so I wrote this script kind of about that. Mine took place in America, but it was a boarding school, so not a residential school. Um, about this small town, um, basically a, a, an all-white town that used to have this boarding school. And this town knows about what happened but they'll do whatever it takes to cover it up. Uh, so the boarding school is now a home. This mother and daughter move in, and then she starts seeing images of these uh, dead indigenous kids. Mm -hmm. They're trying to tell, let her know what happened and trying to expose the truth of this town. And so she starts doing research. She finds out what happened, and then the town finds out what she's doing and they try to quiet her up, if, quiet her up for good, basically. Mm -hmm. They'll do whatever it takes to keep their secret. And so it was about that. So it was a, a little horror film and, and at, the, at the end of the day, you know, there was justice. They found the bodies and they were kind of properly buried and so, mm -hmm. uh, so that was my very first one called The Unrest and um, I showed it a few film festivals. Uh, won, actually won a couple of awards then I started doing a uh, a web series, a children, the one I was talking about with the the fry bread kid, mm -hmm. and then and that's the same year I also made my first doc, um, and 
started a series called Native American Paranormal Project. Uh, with the very first one, we went to um, Concho Boarding School in El Reno. And um, the premise was basically I wanted to start a, uh, a well, actually, it's supposed to be just one thing, you know. Um, having never been to film school, I'm always trying to do different things, different genres, maybe do different part of filmmaking, just to try to learn the craft more, you know. Mm-hmm. I've never done a documentary, so I was thinking, you know what, it'd be kind of cool to do a documentary, just to just to say I've done one, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, but I didn't know what to do one over. And um, that was around the time when those uh, cable shows were getting popular, like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventure, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And um, I was sitting around watching TV with a friend of mine, Happy Free Joe, and I was kind of talking about that. I said, you know, I've been thinking about doing this. And uh, she's like, yeah, you should do it. I'm like, well, what, what should we do it over? Well, what should I do it over? And then we was watching one of those shows. And I was like, you know what? What if there was an all-native research team that did those, those kind of things? Mm-hmm. But they just went to sites that had a native history, unexplained stuff. But did it, do it differently. Do it respectfully. Do it the right way. You know. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, we should do that. And so I was like, well, if I did it, would you, do you want to host it, you know, and you can be like the narrator and all that stuff. She's like, yeah, I'd be down for that. And so we just talked about that and it kind of just went, went away. A year later, it was getting close to uh, like Halloween, October. And you know how everybody wants to watch something scary around Halloween time. So I said, I was thinking, well, I'm going to make something scary just to get something out there, but I don't know what to do. And I remember that conversation. So I said, well, so I called her, I called her up and say, let's, let's do something. Let's do like a paranormal documentary. And, um, so I just went on Facebook and I said, Hey, I'm doing this thing. I want people, you know, are you interested? Maybe anybody who might want to be a part of this, mm-hmm. you know, you just gotta be native and, um, be open-minded, uh, be respectful and not be shy in front of a camera. And so I had people respond to it and that's kind of my, the people that responded was kind of my first group. We went to Concho uh, boarding school. And so with these documentaries, the first like half of them, we interview people, talk about the history of the location, tr- the true history of the location. Like, so, you know, some stuff that happened at Concho boarding school, we put it out there. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of the, uh, the doc- documentaries is our footage from the investigation night. And so we had that and we had a screening in Oklahoma City and I think I just put it on Facebook, you know, say I'm, I'm showing my, my film that we did. And the uh, place was packed. Now, pe- we had turned people away at the door. It, it, it was that, there was that much interest in it. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the Q&A, um, somebody just said, where are you going to go next? And I never thought about next. It was just a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, I don't know. I kind of asked the audience, where do you think we should go? hands just went up go here go there everybody had suggestions everybody said i know this place and this building Whoa. my house and so i was like well i don't know maybe we'll make a second one mm-hmm. and then we did make a second one we, we went to wheelock academy which is uh in millerton oklahoma it was a choctaw boarding school and um come to find out like ghost adventures ghost hunters they called choctaw nation trying to get access to it choctaw nation just denied them flat hung up on them <laughs> We yeah. come calling. Uh-huh. They gave us full access to everything. 
Nice. And so that was still to this day, it's one of the most active places we've been. We got so much stuff. Um, probably one of the, the darkest places we've been to. But um, so, yeah, that and then it just started becoming kind of a thing. Every year we start doing something around the fall mm-hmm. to now. I think we have seven uh, feature films. And in between, we'd go to like smaller places, maybe about two or three men, two or three team members would go to a location and uh, we do like a short film mm-hmm. as well. So that's how that started. So that was 2012 was when I started making documentaries. Um, but that was just paranormal stuff. Um, then later on, I started making the sports documentary that you saw. Mm-hmm. And so, so the Choctaw one, that's the scariest one? Um. I say, or what's the scariest like place you you guys been like? Damn, Wheelock was probably um, I said again the most active. Like one of the team members got sick. As far as I mean, I won't say something like like possessed or nothing, but she she's already sensitive to this kind of stuff anyway, and so it really touched her to where she had to kind of like take a break. Uh-huh. Um, something actually did push me out of one of the rooms. Uh, we had someone get pushed in the chest pushed back when he's asking questions uh we captured um a lot of voices captured a shadow um in one of the rooms like peeking at us and it moves away um quite really active i think for the most part everybody kind of felt a heavy just a heavy presence there it's pretty active um we did one called gristle mansion in two uh like 2014 maybe mm-hmm. that's in uh seminole and some some of the team members say that was the scariest one for them as far as just just the feel of it, the vibe of it. Um, so those two is probably at the top. Um, my favorite one was probably the Seminole Church we did, uh, Rock Spring uh, Baptist Church in Sasakwa. And um, a lot of these old uh, Indian, uh, well, Seminole Creek churches have a lot of history. You know, a lot of history and, um, and and a lot of these kind of stories, a lot of these, these things kind of happen. Mm-hmm. And so um, we did one of that uh, again, talk about the history of it. Talk about the history of just uh, Seminole and Creek Church. It's not even paranormal stuff yet. Just they have really good, a good, rich history to them, you know. And so mm-hmm. it, it intrigued me. So that was the first half of the of the film. And the, the, the church members were more than willing to share their stories, stuff that they've seen. And the pastor at the time uh, came out and would sing some similar hymns for us. And that's how things starts happening around the church and the camp houses and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what the reason that's my favorite one is because I wanted to do a film, a paranormal documentary that, you know, everything unexplained or, you know, spirits or things that you see, it doesn't have to be scary, you know. A lot of times it's, it's like with with the ones with uh, Rock Spring, it's their grandma, it's their grandpa that's still there that wants to sing with them, you know, or um, aunts, uncles, family, cousins. I mean, it that's because they're buried there, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're buried there. Their camp houses are still there. That's a it was a big part of their lives, you know, and so their spirit, their energy, uh, whatever you want to call it, is still there, and so whenever they would hear things and see things. They never really got scared. It was kind of more of a comfort feeling. 
mm-hmm. that they're still with us. And they would just kind of just go on. They would keep singing a seminal hymn, even though they hear another voice singing with them. They would just keep going. And so that, that I was trying to convey that, that um, you know, sometimes these things are, are good. They're just they're, they're with us, and they want fellowship with us. And so, and we got a lot of um, activity on that one too. Mm-hmm. And so that one is on online. Um, all of them, pretty much, I think, are online on YouTube or Vimeo, except for WeLock. We Lock was the one where we had to. Um, one of the uh, conditions on being allowed to go there was we couldn't sell it, um, and we could show it like it. And public screenings and film festivals, whatever, but we couldn't sell it. So, we're in, right now we just have it on DVD, and people ask to see it. We got to set up a public screening. Really? But other ones are should be online. Dang, we should have done a screening here. Yeah, yeah. Next we, time we, we can hear you. Next hear you time. jump and scream. And <laughs> turn it off. Turn it off. Mark, turn that off. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> we wanted it. Every time. <laughs> Forget you recording. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's yeah. There's like good spirits, and yeah, there are bad spirits. But you know, people get freaked out about both, like in general. You yeah, know, like well, the bad ones that, that stuff that we come across, they're non-native. You know, so yeah, it's the places we've gone to. A lot of you know tragic things happen to the indigenous people at that location. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's usually non-natives that are doing the the bad the bad thing and so we've done a lot of boarding schools um the last one was cool the last one we did uh was uh it was called uh the old school house or schoolhouse yeah the old school house don't know the name of my film <laughs> but it was about okay do you know where bacon is at in muskogee now, yeah right yeah, yeah well yeah. it originally started in Tahlequah. uh-huh and so it was about that building, that institution, right before it moved to Bacon, uh, to Muskogee and called it Bacon, that institution was in, was in Tahlequah, and that building is still up. Uh, it, at one point, it was a Cherokee orphanage. It was, uh, I think it was called Indian University for a little bit. It was, it's gone through a lot of different things over the years, but there's a lot of spirits there, too. Mm-hmm. And so... It was about two, three years ago, and we did. This is when we had the ability to go like Facebook Live with it. So we went live with our investigation. We told people we're going over here, and um, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, we're live. There's ten thousand people watching our video, watching our live. Really? Stuff. Yeah. Whoa. And what's cool about that was I wanted, I wanted uh, our audience, our people that follow us, to see kind of what it takes to make with these documentaries mm-hmm. and cause w- whenever they watch them or you see, you see this stuff on, on TV, on the shows, you're seeing the highlights of it. Yeah. You're not seeing that hours and hours, nothing's happening. Yeah. You're just sitting and walking around asking questions and nothing's going on. You just see like, you know, when things basically are happening, that's what we post and you thinking, Oh, it happens all the time. That's not really the case. So we went live with it to just show, how long we're sitting in a room where just nothing is happening. But what was neat about that was they were commenting things that they were hearing that we couldn't hear with their own ear. You know, usually we'll hear something on playback. Mm-hmm. We're shooting something, cameras or with a digital recorder. After we, you know, you know, left and went home, I'm reviewing the footage, and sometimes that's when I find 
you know, we there, there's like we said, what's your name? It would say its name. We don't hear it there. We hear it after the fact, you know, on on the playback. Mm-hmm. Every now and then you'll hear something, you know, with your actual ear when you're there. But mm-hmm. um, so we was asking questions and people are commenting, said, did you not hear that? It said this, it said that. And so that's kind of cool to see their people seeing it for themselves. And so um, I think the next one we do, if we do another one, is um, we'll probably do live again because that was a pretty, we got a pretty good response with that. Mm-hmm. And then and then you try to do it every fall. That was kind of uh, that's that that was kind of been the pattern. Yeah. Just because, like I said, around the fall, people just kind of it just they get in the mood to want to watch something scary. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I produce everything, I pay for everything, so. Um, uh, it's just uh, sk- scheduling wise, I've been like really busy with my freelance stuff that I just haven't had time to really kind of uh, set something up because um, it takes a while to put all, you know put all this together. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Maybe in the fall, if my schedule opens up, we'll find one to do. Damn. Any idea where you think you'll go? I don't know. I, I've we've always done Oklahoma stuff, mm-hmm. um, and we get invited to all these different places in, in the whole country, um, even out of country. Who say come here? And so, look, like, yeah, we, we'd love to come, but you know, you know, we're we're broke, man. I mean, <laughs> um, if y'all have any funding, help us, I and mean, we'd love to do it. Do this, do this for y'all. Yeah. And then we don't hear back from them. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, so if we do something like that, we'll have to, have to do our own out of our own pocket. And so, but half the team uh, of, of the Native American Paranormal Project uh, went to Haskell. There's a lot of stories about Haskell, and so that would be kind of one I would like to do is go and do some uh, footage over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause everybody kind of knows something about stories over there. So it, that would probably be a good one to do. Yeah. And it's, it's close enough to where we could probably afford that. What's one of the stories you heard from high school? Just the dorm, a lot of dorm stuff. Um, I know there's, there's a cemetery right there on campus too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it started off, it was a boarding school too, you know, way back. And so, um, the, some of the team members would just tell me some of the things they saw at night, hear things, uh, something's in a room, things moving, that kind of stuff. And so I know in one of the dorms, I think there's the, there's a, a, a little girl that the people keep seeing over and over. Um, so yeah, um, that, that would be, that would be a good one to do. And it, when you watch it, you know, we're not, um, we're just storytellers, you know, we're not, um, uh, ghost hunter, nothing like that. I, I always kind of refer to us as paranormal enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just trying to talk about the history. And if they're willing to talk with us or share things with us, we're, the way I see it is we're giving them a voice to, you know, maybe tell us what really happened back then. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of what we put out there. And, you know, we don't make it to, try to convince people that oh these things are real or this place is haunted it's just more like we go out there we shoot our stuff and we just put it out there and say this is what happened you know you make up your own mind and kind of leave it at that so for me it's, a, it's really about the story behind um the current building or you know what really happened back then because you know sometimes those things aren't in history books and people don't talk about it but we try to give that a, a, a platform for that stuff to come out Mm-hmm. Damn. 
I'll get to watch it on live then. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you some <laughs> oh, links. Then. Yeah, yeah. I want to see the other ones too, man. I didn't know like you were involved with those. I mean, I think I seen. So hold on, isn't there two though? Like the Native American. It's not what's it called. Uh... I know, like Brian and and, and Brian's been was was trying to. He he started one a couple of years ago. Uh, mystery Name? Explorers or something like Native that. American yeah. Mystery Explorers. Yeah. Okay, so they're not the same thing then. No, no. My Native American Paranormal Project, which we started like in 2012. Okay. Um, his he started a couple of years ago, and um, and so I mean he's still he's still with with our our group too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so yeah, so yeah, they're two different two different things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was kind of getting confused because I was like, wait. Because I just saw theirs, like, I think they're in Oto country. Yeah, they And they do. were looking at looking for Bigfoot or something. So I thought, like, maybe they're the, but and yeah, I'm, they're totally, totally different. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing a Bigfoot one too. Oh, are you? But this is, this is a, this is a, not a part of the, the NAP, uh-huh. uh, Native American Paranormal Project. It's not a part of that. This one is more about, um, I started filming back in December and it's about this, uh, there's a group, uh, Native American Res- Bigfoot Research Organization, mm-hmm. uh, here in Oklahoma, and they're pretty big, well known. Troy Hudson is the guy who I'm kind of the, the film is kind of about. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's chalked on, and um, so it's gonna be kind of following him around, following his work, showing what he does. Uh, part of that is also talking about Choctaw stories and maybe beliefs and stuff that we have about Bigfoot, you know, a lot of tribes have, you know, a, a version of Bigfoot or what some of the stuff they believe Bigfoot is. They probably didn't call it Bigfoot really. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we didn't call it, uh, I know like Mississippi Choctaws at one point, I, the, the name I would hear a lot was, uh, not a little which means something, something, uh, big and black. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, they didn't really have a name. They, they call it Bigfoot. That's something that kind of came out, you know, after, I guess. Yeah. But so there's stories about w- what it really is. Um, you know, it, 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 it's something that it probably centers around something spiritual, something um, they kind of have a lot of uh, things in common with. They're kind of indigenous as well. I mean, as far as like, you know, maybe, maybe the use of medicine or, um, so, you know, every tribe kind of has their own thing, and so I'm kind of going into what what, what did the Choctaws believe mm-hmm. it, it was or 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 it is, what some of our stories that we have about it. So I'll be talking about that Troy's work, and um, and then just current um, eyewitness accounts, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not an investigation trying to find Bigfoot again, not trying to convince it's real. Yeah, uh, we did go out in December and follow Troy when he was doing one at night. Mm-hmm. And Troy's in that, Troy's also in that same way of thinking. He believes it's something more um, kind of beyond. Not it's not just an animal. It's not like a beast or nothing. It's something beyond what that, that. That's why people don't see it. You know, they have a, a way to make themselves not be visible or not be seen. Yeah. So he um, he has that belief as well. So. We did follow him in back in December, uh, him and his group, and 
uh, when they were showing some people around in Honobi area, which is well known for Choctaw uh, stories regarding regarding Bigfoot. And so, um, so it'd be, it's a lot of stories, and 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 then his that his night of investigation that night. Uh, so it's not it it's a film that's I'm just because I just I'm chalked out and I'm interested and want to know more about it. Mm-hmm. What was our stories? Um, so it's a film about that. So not so much you know trying to find it or anything. Yeah. So I'm been it, it's gonna be a long process. Mm-hmm. I, I started shooting in December, kind of getting interviews here and there. Um, I'm shooting an actual interview later on today with someone who might have some stories too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn. Okay. I can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me some time. I'll, I'll, I'll oh get my down god. Yeah, I've heard like uh, it, there's a lot of reasons why we can't see it. You know, mm. like I've heard of like it. It maybe goes into like another dimension or something too. Like it, yep. it like it'll, you like you'll see it right, and then just all of a sudden like you won't. Yeah, and it slips into like another like, I guess world or dimension or something, and then it. You know that's why it disappears. Like I've heard, like all kind of like stuff about it. Like, so I, I've heard that too. Or, or things where um, it could be standing right next to you, you don't even see it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and this is this probably don't translate well if someone's just listening. But I have video footage. Like I'll show it to you here after we're done here, uh-huh. where I think that happened. You know, so just to kind of a little bit about it. So we uh, we was with Troy. This other filmmaker, uh, name was Hawk, he, another native filmmaker, was with me at, over in Honolulu. It was about, I don't know, about midnight, something like that. Mm-hmm. It was very cold. This is in December, so it was pretty cold that, that night. And so it was me, Hawk, and Troy by ourselves. No one was around us. And um, they were to my right. And then, so, we, you know, when it's really cold and you're breathing heavy, you ha- you can see, like, fog breath yeah. coming out. So I have my night vision camera. And because Troy said, don't bring lights, you know, bring a night vision camera or something because they have lights. It, they don't like it. So I have my night vision camera and they're to my right. And you can see it. The the breath just, just really right to my left. I mean, it's it's a, a, a lot. It's a bunch of breathing right next to me. Yeah. And I'm telling them and as we're talking, then it it's right above me. Like it's standing like it's towering over me. And it's just kind of coming down. Whoa, and so the ones in that Honobi area are known to be like sociable or playful. They'll, they'll throw rocks at you, mm-hmm. not to be. They just kind of playful or something. Yeah. So he said, "Don't be worried if that happens." So as we're as I'm telling Troy and Hog, like, man, this is you know, I see it on my camera. There's something right here breathing, you know, right above us. You can see it. You know, all of a sudden a rock just drops like from above us, like it like it probably had its arm out. Yeah. And just dropped it and. And then we all look, and then it just came out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. then again, we're by ourselves, and so. Um, but all that was captured, was captured on camera, and um, so I mean, I we don't know else how to explain what that breathing could be. Yeah, you know, and so it kind of makes you think. You know, you hear the stories about yeah, like you said, another dimension, or they have a way to yeah make themselves not be seen. Um, so I don't know. Man. I'll let you be the judge whenever you watch it later. Do you get into like um, maybe why they don't communicate with us, or do do you think they want to? Or I think yeah. Well, the, the, the ones in Honolulu, you know, this 
I keep referring to them because that's, that's, that's the only kind of uh, uh, connection I got as far as like going out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they are so used to Troy and his group that they'll they'll make themselves known. They know why they come out there. They want to. They so they'll actually kind of put on a show. Really? Yeah. And so uh, that day, Troy and his group took us around these trails just so we can get familiar with the area because at night it gets really, really dark there. And so we got familiar with it. And he says, tonight, you know, chances are it'll probably come out because they know we're here. And so we go out there, to, we build a campfire. And um, sure enough, you can see... So you know when a when a moon hits your like an animal's eyes, you'll see like an eye shine or something. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what Troy kept referring to as eye shine. He would say, "There's one over there, and there's one over there." And sure enough, you just see them just kind of just just moving, they're just circling, they're just just around. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they start talking to each other. Uh, it sounds like a dog howling, but it stays longer and there's up pitches, up and down. Mm-hmm. And then it, on the other side of the mountain, respond, and they just kind of go back and forth. You'll get quiet, then you can just see their eyes shine, just moving. Then next thing you know, there's two of them close together. So they're kind of just watching us and trying to feel us out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, before I went, um, I had this other filmmaker that was going to come with me, but he couldn't make it. Um, Troy called me and he said, "Who are these guys that you bring with you?" And I told him who they were. He said, do they kind of, do they believe in this stuff? I said, yeah, I think so. That's, you know, they're, they're open-minded about stuff like this. He said, well, do they get scared easily? I said, well, yeah, one will. I know one will. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Jeremy Fultz. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, this guy in Jeremy, he, he, he'll, he'll get, he'll get, uh, I said, he probably will. And, um, but he won't like take off running. I mean, he's a professional, so he'll stay filming, but, you know, the camera might be shaking because I might be a little scared. <laughs> but I mean, but I said, because I said, well, why? What's up? He said, well, I just want to make sure that they know what's going on when they go into this because we had a group come out to about a couple weeks ago and it got pretty close, maybe about 40, 40 yards away where you could see it standing there watching. And the people, the group that I was with was all excited to come see it or just experience it, whatever. It, they got sick. It, there is a, like a surreal feeling whenever you hear them and you know they're just a few, you know yards away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know I'll admit I didn't get scared, but I I got like this is this is kind of hard to put your mind around things that people talk about and they're right there. Mm-hmm. You know, people that some want to believe this or never seen it, it's just right there. And so, the group that came two weeks ago, they saw it like it was not too far away you can see it standing there and they got so scared and so they couldn't handle it and they quit they said we're going home we can't finish this and so uh troy called me want to make sure that my guys come in and we'll be okay if something like that happens and so um they didn't come that close that night but close enough to where you can see them moving around and stuff mm-hmm. and so so that's a bigfoot documentary that i'm making um it's again more about stories yeah and um not really trying to find them but um um, you know, I'm just going to let him do his thing in the woods and, you know, just, I just want to kind of share stories about him right now. 
Yeah. Man, I can't wait for that one. Oh, I need you guys back on. I need you and Troy on here. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever like you guys decide to have it out. When we start and, yeah, promoting yeah, it. Promoting it, it man. Cool, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That'd be a really dope episode. Just start promoting it now. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Google him, <laughs> YouTube him, uh, Troy Hudson. You'll see a lot of things he's been in. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he speaks a lot of places. Honeby is also the the location where they had the Bigfoot conference. I think it's the biggest Bigfoot conference in the country. Really? It's huge, and it's him and his group that puts that on. Oh, okay. So you can Google him and um, look up Honeby or um, Troy Hudson. You'll, you'll see a lot of his stuff on there. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to get out, re- reach out to him at least. Yeah. Man. That's fucked. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, so... You, okay, so you've transitioned from like um, horror, you know, to paranormal, paranormal, and then to sports. So what what kind of led you into like doing sports now? So again, it was kind of back to just um, I started doing. I had a few documentaries under my belt with like paranormal stuff. Uh-huh. I wanted to do something a little different, and uh, um, my very first one was called Beans. Uh, there's this uh, young girl named uh, Peyton Factor. Everybody calls her just Beans. She knows she's known by Beans. Mm-hmm. Very good golfer. She's only eight years old at the time that we did this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was well known in the, in the golfing world, um, state and national. You know, she's playing all these big time golf courses, and so she's Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole and Creek. And uh, but I knew her mom. You know, I, I was really really good friends with her mom. And so I wanted to do a film, a documentary, and I just said, you know what? Let me just do a sports documentary. And I remember um, Peyton just won the tournament. I saw it on Facebook. She won the tournament. I was like, oh, that's a cool little story, you know, this eight-year-old, eight-year-old golfer just, like, just killing it out there. Mm-hmm. So I hit her up and said, hey, um, let me, uh, can I follow, uh, get some footage of, of her playing and winning and let me do a little story about her. So she agreed to, agreed to do it. And then... Um, so again, that was around 2015, 2016, something like that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my very first one, and then I, I liked it. I, I really liked the way it turned out. Um, I, I liked. Um, I love sports, so it was kind of, kind of, again, kind of down my alley. Um, and then Shiloh was the next one that we did, and uh, that kind of came about oddly when we was we was trying to launch a paranormal one. So Tribal TV is this production company uh, based out of Tahlequah and Tulsa. And um, they were going to fund a, uh, a paranormal series uh, for our group um, about the Osage murders. Mm-hmm. And so we actually started filming. We went to Osage, I went to Pawhuska, and we did some uh, interviews with some people up there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we had a, had a production meeting uh, with uh, Celia Xavier. She's the uh, founder and the uh, the owner of Tribal TV. She started asking me, well, what's your next project? What do you have coming up? And uh, I told her about Shiloh. So I, I see this girl on, on Facebook, man. She's killing. She's winning all these uh, uh, tournaments. And she's actually a, a collegiate champion right now, um, native. And she's got a, lot, a big fan base. Um, I thought about doing a documentary about her, kind of her journey, what it took, what it took to get there. Mm-hmm. 
So Celia looked it up on Facebook and she got inspired. And she said, how much will it cost to do that, you think? And I told her what I'm thinking. And I said, she's actually got a world title fight coming up. Not world. Uh, a title fight coming up. A, a, a collegiate title fight coming up. Uh, that'd be kind of cool if I, if I can go out there and... Um, I was trying to I was trying to pitch it to her at that point, you know. Yeah. And I was like, "It'd be kind of cool if we go out there and we follow her for you know a couple of weeks and up leading up to it, we drive to the fight and everything." And so I think pretty much that day she pulled the funds from that other project, and she said, "Well, if you can convince her to let us do this documentary, we'll fund you to go up there to you know, to Kansas and follow her." Mm-hmm. And so I said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. She'll do it. She'll do it." I said she'd do it, but I never even talked to her yet, <laughs> and so. <laughs> And she said, oh, you're awesome. Well, let, let's, let's get started. I'll start booking the rooms. I said, okay, great. Awesome. Well, let, let's do it. As soon as I left there, let me let me tell Shiloh we're doing a documentary about her first. <laughs> hey, my name is Mark Williams. And uh, <laughs> just let you know we'll be there tomorrow. Nah, but, <laughs> but I just wanted to secure the financing first. And yeah. so I told her that. Um, that it, that uh, I've been talking talking with her, but I hadn't. And so... <laughs> So Celia was like, yeah, go for it. Let's do it then. So I messaged uh, Shiloh, and then she replied back. So yeah, that'd be awesome. And so literally like in a week, week and a half, I was in Kansas filming and um, followed her to uh, to Missouri for the tile fight. And um, we would, yeah, so we made that one. Um, it got it did really well in film festivals as well. And then ended up, it's on Amazon Prime right now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it just, I just, again, sports is kind of my thing. Uh, just enjoy just the, the competitiveness and, um, the stories about people's journey, you know, is what I really like too. Um, I geared a lot toward native communities, native youth. Um, you know, whenever they see some big time athlete doing it, doing things, you know, doing it big they just see the final product. They see them being a champion or doing, you know, what, whatever they, they do, they doing it well. Mm-hmm. They don't see what it took to get there. And so a lot of native kids may start, Oh, I, I want to be like Shiloh. I want to be like Dennis knife chief. They start going out and training. And once it gets hard, they may quit mm-hmm. or they don't know the, the struggles it took to get there. What I'm trying to do is re- make it relatable to say the people that you look up to, they're going, they went through the same struggles you're going through. Don't give up, you know, just uh, keep at it. And so that's kind of why I picked certain subjects and certain people to highlight their journey. And, you know, you saw the knife chief film. Mm -hmm. He has a really good story, you know, with, um, some of the addictions and stuff that he had to go through, that he was going through some of the the decisions that he made. A lot of our native kids are going down that same road. And so, Dennis was already going out there speaking at public um, events, talking about this. I just want to make a, a little film about his journey, so mm-hmm. to ba- maybe inspire someone to make better decisions than than what he did if they want to do something. Yeah. How did you guys hook up? Um. So I was I was hired to do a uh, uh, a music video. Um, There's this artist named uh, uh, Stan Jotty who's, I think he's from like Iowa. And so, but he's from Oklahoma, but he lives up there now, but he wanted to do some stuff with Oklahoma actors and crew and everything. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he told me the concept. 
um, it's supposed to have been an MMA fighter. So, so you have regular music video, but then there's a storyline about an MMA fighter and this wife or girlfriend who, who never uh, turned her back on him, always supporting him and everything. And he ends up, you know, winning everything at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw Dennis doing his thing, and um, I, um, <laughs> same thing. I told I told Stinjati, I said, "Hey, what if we did it a boxer instead? Cause I, you know, I know this native boxer here, and he, he'll do it." And again, I never talked to Dennis. <laughs> As I said, but I said he'll do it. Yeah, that'd be cool if, if he wants to do it. Yeah, I said, "All right, all right," because I wanted to find someone. I didn't want to get like an actor. And make him look like a boxer. I want to find an actual boxer, and just throw in some acting in it, you know. Yeah. And so, so, so we, he agreed to do that. So, well, I guess I better let Dennis know. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, Dennis, my name is Mark Williams. Um, so yeah, so I hit him up, and he he was down for it. Day one of filming was in Shawnee. The girl that we cast originally cast for it uh, couldn't make it, or she. Actually, she kind of was a no-show. And so me and Dennis was just sitting there just talking, and I really didn't know his story as far as what he went through. But as he was telling me, I was thinking, I said, dang, this is a good, you know, this is kind of inspiring. Mm-hmm. I said, hold up. Keep that thought. I grabbed my cameras, and I just placed them and mic'd them up. I said, all right, keep going. So the conversation we had is what you saw in the film when he's leaning against that car. Oh yeah. That was just our conversation. And so he broke it down just for, you know, I didn't know what I was really going to do with it at that point. I just said, I want to capture this stuff. I don't know why, but I want to capture what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. So we did, uh, we ended up shooting a music video. Uh, we got, we got someone else to come cast as, as the girlfriend later. And, um, afterwards I said, Hey, I, I'm, would you be down if I, uh, wanted to do a little short film about what you told me the other day. He said, yeah. So we did a second interview um, to kind of finish it up. And we shot some other scenes of him boxing and that kind of stuff. And he had a fight coming up. And so we was able to kind of get that footage into it as well. Um, so then that one, I didn't really put in film festivals. I don't think um, really because his story, I wanted the kids to see it and I want to get out there as soon as possible. So once it was ready, I just, we threw it up on Facebook for everybody to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, like I remember seeing that and he like shared it. And then I think that's about the time I added you on Facebook. I think, you know, because I had this idea of doing this and I was always like, always looking for people to bring on, you know, I never knew if like they would mm-hmm. say, yeah, but I always had the idea of like, you know, maybe, maybe like, if me and my buddy ever did it, we'd bring people on like every now and again. Uh-huh. So I, it was always like an idea to bring people on. But yeah, like I think that's around the time I added you on Facebook. And then that's where I started seeing all your work and everything, like every, all the things you do, man. Like it's, you do like so much all the time. And I, like I, I always, and then, you know, once this got started, like now I was like, yo, like I need this guy on like to tell everything and to tell the people like what you know he's worked on how it started and just hearing all that man like just meeting you now you know i know you from like the facebook from when i seen you but i didn't know all of that like what we got into no. so it's like super dope to like hear all of that 
like I, I don't know, man. Like and then like and then the Bigfoot. Like I really want to hear. I really want to see that. <laughs> and you know now now you have a you have a film coming out on is it next weekend? Uh, June fourteenth is June fourteenth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, My birthday, by the way. <clears throat> oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah June uh, June thirteenth is mine. Is it? Yeah. No yeah, way. Yeah, coming up. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, De- Dead Center Film Festival is um, running. Uh, there a lot. A lot of it's going to be virtual. Um, so from June fourteenth through the twentieth, it's going to be on their website. Uh, it's a film called Ikiyana Lachi, which means I will remember. Um, produced by the Choctaw Nation, uh, Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma Historic Preservation Department. Um, really interesting story. Um, so everybody knows about the Trail of Tears, you know. And so when you think, uh, you tell people, you know, what do you know about the Trail of Tears? Well, yeah, when the Choctaws and these other tribes as well. But, you know, when talk about Choctaws, yeah, they came over in like the 1830s and 1840s, you know, from Mississippi over here, mm-hmm. which is true. But a lot of people don't know it happened all the way up until 1903. 1903 was the very last removal. And so add that to the fa- also another fact that um, so Choctaw Nation is, is a pretty big area in Oklahoma, southeast Oklahoma. It covers 10 and a half counties. Um. And then to the west is Chickasaw Nation. That's, you know, Chickasaw Nation Reservation. Mm-hmm. Well, right there by Ardmore, there's a cluster of Choctaw families right there. A lot of, there's communities, there's Choctaw churches right there in Chickasaw country. Um, and how they got there was really the, the base of this film. Um... There was a, a plot to a, a a sinister plot, I think is how we refer to it in the film, mm-hmm. to to trick them out of their land, um, even sell them as slaves uh, when they came over here. Uh, they came over here by train, and so um, you, you you'll hear um, Deanna talk about Ardmore a lot. Ardmore is in Chickasaw uh, Chickasaw Nation, so we wanted to talk about that last removal. A lot of people don't know about it. I didn't know about it really. Um, and that kind of was crazy how that, how that, how I got involved. I was on the way to Louisiana to do a documentary for Choctaw Nation about basket weaving. Mm-hmm. And we was all in a van with about five or six other, uh, people from Choctaw Nation from the historic preservation office. And so we started talking about stuff, about movies. And they said, you know, they asked me, well, what are you working on next, Mark? I said, well, I, I want to do this this film. I want to do this thriller about a um, uh, about some Choctaw that disappeared. They're like, "What?" I said, "Well, I read this article where in like in the 1900s, some Choctaws were brought up here by train, put into a building in Ardmore, and they were just left there. And later on, when they came back for them, uh, they were gone, or nobody really knows what happened to them." They, you know, for all intents and purposes on paper, they just disappeared. And I remember in, in the article, there was a line that says, to this day, nobody knows the whereabouts of these Choctaws. Uh, when I saw that article and I saw that line, I, was, I said, dang, that's a, that's a movie right there. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing a script kind of around that. 
And um, my, my story was going to start after they got out, what happened. And so um, I was telling them about it, about my, about my uh, screenplay or my script. And uh, they're all looking at me and kind of looking in the back of the van. And I was like, what? What's up? They said, well, Deanna Bird, she wrote that article. She's, that's her family that, she, that you're talking about. And um, they said, we're actually still researching it. I think it, it was about maybe a four-year project as far as them just researching it. And they said, well, we, you know, we kind of talked about um, once we're done with this, with our research, maybe making a video about it or a documentary about it. Would you be interested? I said, yeah, definitely. And so maybe like uh, two years went by and they, you know, called me up and said, you know, we're, we're done with our research. We know where they're at. We know what happened to them. Um, they were just trying to link thing you know because there's hardly any paperwork or documents on who they who they were and so it took them a while to try to link everything all together and they finally had enough to where they wanted to kind of tell the story and so then they brought me on and so we started filming and uh it took about two years to make mm-hmm. um and so dead center film festival will be you know the world premiere i guess finally releasing it um and it'll be hopefully at other film festivals. Um, I've submitted it to a few others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a little plug to Choctaw Nation Cultural Center. It's going to be opening up on July 23rd. Uh, brand new cultural center. Man, it's pretty nice, man. It's They, they did it big. And um, the, uh, the film that we did is going to be part of, uh, I guess they're going to show it maybe every week or every day. I'm not sure, but it's going to be part of their showcase as well mm-hmm. so um so yeah that's what i have right now and i've done you know f- four other documentaries for chocolate nation so mm-hmm. this is the latest one uh pretty excited about it um you know th- we picked a couple of families uh when we was making this film but there's a lot more out there you know we didn't want to i mean there's just so many stories out there you, you can only you know you leave you can only put in like so much, you know, and so it's only like 35 minutes long. So um, there's more out there, more stories to tell. So hopefully maybe we'll do a, a follow up. I mean, I don't know. So, but uh, yeah, really, um, really some sad stories that we heard too. Um, but yeah, that, that group was, had a huge impact on um, keeping a lot of traditions and a lot of Choctaw um cultural stuff just alive and keep it going so a lot of things that we see now within the Choctaw Nation certain dances and the songs and stuff mm-hmm. is because of this group and a lot of people don't know that and so we wanted to kind of acknowledge that and say hey you know there's some Choctaws over there near Chickasaw country that um, had a big part in what we see today mm-hmm. man and then um, Deanna Bird who is Deanna Bird now she works for the Historic Preservation uh, Department, so it, it, it's her family that was... Um, there's about two or three more in Historic Preservation that their family was affected by this. They're from that Ardmore group. Mm-hmm. And so um, she was kind of the main ones to get to really push this and keep it going. Uh, she did a bulk of the research for it. She found the Love Building. The building was called the Love Building, where they were put. Mm-hmm. It's still up. Uh, part of it is kind of coming down right now, but um, it took her a long time, but she found it where they were at. And so um, day one of filming was actually, was actually pretty neat. Uh, we went out there when 
they were doing um, uh, things called GPR. I can't remember the name of it, but it's where they kind of scope the ground to see if there's bodies underneath there. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was day one of filming was them doing that. And so to see if there's actually bodies, you know, still buried out there. Because uh, a lot of Choctaws did die, um, you know, while they're over there in the building and um, um, trying to find out where they're, where they're at, where they're, where they're buried at. So, um, yeah, about two years to make. About maybe 16 days of filming, I think, just interviews, um, driving all over, all over the place, trying to, you know, get all these interviews put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so right now, like, you said we're going to talk to Deanna right now, Deanna Bird? Yep. Okay, so everybody, uh, we're about to have Deanna Bird on the uh, podcast right now. She's going to call in, and I'm going to ask her a few questions about the film. And, uh, yeah, so here we go. All right, Deanna. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, taking some time to uh, talk to us. Super excited for your guys' film. And uh, just had a few questions for you. Um, what was it about the story that made the Choctaw Nation Historic Preservation Department want to make this film? Well, so in our department, we conduct a lot of research on Choctaw history. And studying the literature about the Trail of Tears, you find books or chapters really dedicated to the earlier removals. And the last federally recognized removal in Atoka, um, in like an entire page in these these journals or, or books. And we often found that the Ardmore story was given like a single line or at most a short paragraph. Um, and each removal story is important to honor and remember. So um, we wanted to do a film to keep this and other less known removal stories in, I guess, I guess, a collective memory as a community. Oh, wow. I understand this project had a personal tie into, into it for you. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yes, it does. So, um, you know, we realized in the story and uncovering documentation that there were a lot of schemes during this time leading up to statehood and we probably won't be able to know all of them, but uncovering this scheme and the research that I was able to do, I was able to learn a little bit more about my family and how they were first brought to McAllister and then settled in the Derwood area. So the participants of this documentary and I realized um, pretty early on that we were related to marriage. The son of the first gentleman to be interviewed at the Whittington Hotel at Ardmore in December of 1902, went on to marry my great-great-grandmother, Mary Saki. So that was neat to be able to connect our two families together and, and really extend my family. That's very interesting. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, that's real cool, though. And um, this was your first experience in producing a film. And can you talk about the process? Yes. So I don't think it would have been possible without the leadership support I have. So they share the same passion as and they love telling stories and, you know, honoring our ancestors and those that have come before us. So that was the easy part. Uh, the hard part was that we weren't, be able, we weren't going to be able to capture it all. You know, how do you capture every little more of what happened? How do you represent every family that was there, um, that was involved, every detail, their lives now? Um, and that's when I developed, you know, a pretty deep trust in our director, Mark, to guide the audience through what we could capture. And we had to leave a lot out, uh, but I think he did a good job in 
you know, carefully selecting what we did include and then stitching that together into a really wonderful narrative of a story that really talks about resiliency. Yeah, yeah, and Mark does a lot of great work. Um, well, how important was it to have a Choctaw filmmaker be involved? Uh, extremely important. Um, being Choctaw, he understands our culture, our traditions, um, our sense of community. And in our community, there's a very respectful way of handling a really hard topic of conversation. And so I think that Mark navigated that pretty well. I mean, he was very respectful to everyone. Um, he didn't push. He didn't go into interviews or some sort of preconceived notion of what he needed, you know, for the film. And, um, and he let conversations happen pretty organically and developed, you know, great relationships with our participants. And um, he was less concerned about making some than he was about telling the story. And so I think being Choctaw, um, you know, he has, comes from a long line of storytellers. And um, I think he's, you know, able to do that in a way that's really um, culturally sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's always good to have a, you know, a, a person from your own tribe, you know, help with the um, project like that. And, um, well, is there, is there anything you'd like to like the listeners to know about this film? Yes. Yeah, so this is just one story, you know, hopefully this is the beginning and, and we can make, um, many, many more. Um, but just to, to be able to watch it and, and to reflect back on, you know, if you got to Indian territory, you, you have a removal story too. And so, um, you know, I encourage everyone to, to reach out to their family and ask those hard questions about um, any family history and, and write that down. Yeah, yeah, that's very important. Yeah, no, I don't know if our tribe does that. I need to maybe ask if our tribe does that. And it'd be really great if our tribe can, you know, do something like this as well. I think it's a really great thing what y'all are doing. Thanks. All right, Deanna. I guess that's uh, all we have for you. So thank you for calling in. All right. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Bye. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, uh, that was Deanna Bird, and um, hope y'all hope everybody uh, heard that and is aware of what this film is and everything that's behind it. It's going to be at Dead Center Film Festival June fourteenth, and it's going to be shown on July twenty third at the new. Center July twenty third is when the yeah the cultural center opens. I'm not sure if they're gonna show it that day, mm. but I just know it's gonna be it's gonna be at the auditorium on on some schedule. Okay, yeah. I'm sure it'll be posted up, huh? Yeah, yeah. So you can go to Choctaw Nation Cultural Center. They have a Facebook page. They have a website. Um, they can follow me too on Facebook. I, I put I, I put out all the announcements. If we get into film festivals, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be putting it out there as well. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep an uh, keep an eye out for that. I think I was talking to Jake about that. The uh, the center opening up and, and I told him I'd probably be out there, but yeah, I, I most definitely want to go, you know, check this film out too. So I think it'd be a great thing to see how, about how long is it? Is it like a full, Oh, it's about 35 minutes. Long. It's 35 minutes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. I want to see that. I want to see all your other stuff that you've been, that you've done too. Is all your other stuff on Facebook and your personal, uh, shout out your personal, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, well, YouTube, <laughs> uh, YouTube, yeah, or I may have the, the YouTube links on on. Um, so I have a YouTube channel, Native Boy Productions, and I had another one, Digital Feather Media. So you can go to there. 
Uh, I have an Instagram page, Digital Feather Media. Uh, then two Facebook pages, Native Boy Productions and Digital Feather Media. So you'll see links on, on those as well. Um, and then just my personal personal page, I'll, I'll be posting stuff on there too. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then just on Facebook, yeah, Mark Williams. And uh, so I'm always posting content of what I'm doing. Um, my day-to-day stuff, what I'm doing today, I'll be doing some, shooting some interviews here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be posting that on there. Um, so yeah, just check me out, follow me on there. Yeah. Everybody go follow him, go add him up, keep up with him. He's got a lot of great work. Um, go to his YouTube page. You guys heard it here. Go watch everything that he's done. Uh, he's a really great filmmaker, great, re- really great storyteller. And, uh, and I'm just glad that, you know, he's continuing what he's doing and bringing all these stories, you know, to uh, to our eyes. And, you know, I can't wait for the future. And I'm really stoked that uh, he came on the podcast. And I, de- I most definitely will go check it out on 23rd. <clears throat> check it out on 23rd. Getting emotional and- <laughs> over there, man. <laughs> Dang. I'm 13 again. <laughs> but uh mark man thank you so much for coming on and um man we're gonna have to do it again bro you're welcome back anytime you know anytime you have something going on a film or just want to come back on or i can come to you and we can just chill kick back and talk definitely so man i'm so you know thankful that you came on man thank you so much hey thanks for having me thanks for the opportunity oh yeah no problem and uh everybody go follow mark keep up with him like i said man watch all his films and uh if you're not following oki podcast please go do that uh instagram facebook twitter tiktok uh and then go please go subscribe to it you know just type it into your favorite streaming app and um it'll show up just google it it'll show up anywhere um so i guess until the next time everybody peace